everyone, and welcome to episode number 217 of the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. We're here to preview week number six of the 2023 CFL season here tonight. Ryan and Adam here with you, Trey and Mike both off tonight. Uh, so it's just the two of us. Uh, Adam, how are you doing? Ah, doing good. Yourself, Ryan? Yeah, doing not too bad. Busy week, but uh, looking forward to chatting some football here tonight. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm just looking forward that we don't have another week like we did last week, hopefully. Oh, yeah. I mean, from a fantasy perspective, betting perspective, last week was awful. Throw it in the trash and move forward uh, on the way to next week is what I say on that category. And that's what we'll do here tonight. We'll take a look at each of the games for week number six on the schedule. Uh, we'll talk major matchup storylines, fantasy players to watch. We'll also uh, give our betting picks for each of the games of the week. And uh, well, we'll we'll try to fumble our way through that segment without betting expert Trey here. But uh, he did give us the odds and he did, both him and Mike did give us their picks. So we'll relay those as well. Uh, we're also live on a variety of different platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, all of our platforms. Thanks. Presenting sponsor, Game Time TV, which you can learn more about at GameTimeTV.ca. We'll take your comments. We'll take your questions in the live chat. I see uh, some people filling into the chat already, which is great to see. Um, before we go any further, we always want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Ojibwe, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 Territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soda, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. Now, Adam, before we get into previewing the games for this week, uh, I want to talk a little bit about stats. Uh, five weeks through the season, we're on to week number six. How are you enjoying the stat PDFs that uh, we still need from the CFL in order to get the uh, stat information? Uh, you know what? I'm just uh, not going to say a word so I don't receive a maximum fine from the CFL. <laughs> I don't think they'll fine us. It'll be, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, yeah, the stats still aren't great from the CFL. Uh, I don't mind the stat PDFs afterwards, to be honest, but it would be nicer to get them ahead of time. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's still going on. Uh, who knows when they'll have that finished off. Saw people this week, like so mad about the stats that they're sharing a an article about genius sports and four down football from like a year and a half ago. I don't know how that would uh, back. Yeah, I don't know who would I don't know who would ever do such a thing and not read the date or the uh when the uh year of that would that would came out. But uh and I mean I've seen people mad enough that they're willing to make t-shirts that say I wanted all the stats and all I got was this t-shirt. So yeah, people are angry about the stats, man. Yeah, coming to a CFC merch store near you in the near future. If uh no, probably not. Maybe we'll see. Maybe um, in the bomber store next week. We'll see. Yeah, maybe. So we don't have new stats from Genius Sports and from the CFL yet, but what we do have to share with you tonight before we get into the game previews, if you're a fan of CFL Fantasy, uh, I am, uh, of course, in our Discord community. There's a link to it in our description, often posting a lot of CFL Fantasy content there. We give you the fantasy players to watch on the show here every single week as well. Look, last week was a rough week. None of the suggestions worked out well. And I mean, I put Jeremiah Mazzoli as my captain at mine and, and got the dreaded minus two from it. 
it didn't work out. So we've gone back to the lab, been putting work into the stat tracking spreadsheets. And I wanna kind of show those off here. If you're watching the YouTube feed, you'll be able to show, see them uh, to kind of see what kind of info we'll be able to provide you uh, on the show going, going forward here. Uh, I spent a lot of time working with some Google Sheets formulas. Yeah, I'm a fun guy uh this week and uh we've got it uh, we've got fancy new spreadsheets here to work off of uh phase one is complete many more phases to go on here yet but this will allow me to uh basically filter the uh, the results down based on fantasy points give you the averages on the season their last three games every single week throughout the year as well for example, Dominic Rimes has the highest average at 18.6 out of anybody so far this season, but his last three games have trended downwards at 14.5 points. Uh, we'll be able to provide that insight on every single position here, as well as not just fantasy points, but any other uh, stat categories that lead into them. So, for example, for if you want to pick a running back in CFL Fantasy, you probably want to pick one that's getting the ball quite often. Uh, so you want to see how many carries they get on average. Diedrich Mills is the one who gets the ball most often at running back. Well, uh, this may be a bit of a surprise to some people if we take a look at the last three games for uh, running backs. Uh, William Stanback has the lowest average out of any starter in the CFL with just 7.7 .7 carries per game. So, uh, you know, I wanted to highlight this real quick because I, I think we'll it's only going to grow from here. Uh, like I said, this is phase one. I have a lot more plans for this. Uh, you will, will be able to provide you info, hopefully in the semi near future on matchups against opponents, positional matchups, target shares, uh, all of those fun things are enhancements I have planned for this. So, uh, you know, what? I throw some of these stats out on the show every week, but if you want extra info, I also throw a lot more of it in our discord community. Again, Go to the link in the description. It's free if you're interested in that. Uh, and that's all I got on the stats topic here. You ready to get into the first game of the week here, Adam? Yeah, well, also, I just wanted to say, I mean, you could have spent your time building a new Iron Man suit or you could have spent your time doing almost anything else. But no, you uh, you took one for the team and you built us an awesome thing here. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of, lot of stuff that goes into that. So thanks for that. And uh I'm sure that the guys that are in our Discord channel will absolutely love that going forward. So, so yeah. Uh, how long did that take you, by the way, Ryan? Just for the fun of it. Uh, just a couple of evenings of of working with Google Sheets while while watching TV and I'm watching football, and it, it not not that much work actually went into it yet. So you mean you've put more work probably than Genius Sports has if you're trying to get those stats going for the CFL already. I mean, I do wait for the stat PDFs to come out every night post-game and then copy them into the spreadsheet to power these uh, these insights here. So uh, you know what? I had a plan to do it automatically this year. The CFL broke that when they switched to the new stat system. So we're doing it manually every single game uh, all season long. What a fun what a fine, fun time we're having here. Um, hey, at least, you know, uh, sidebar here. One of my most popular tweets of all time was from this week where I highlighted the fact that Richie Sandani was in CFL Fantasy twice at two different prices and only one of them was scoring points. Uh, yeah, that uh, a lot of people uh, shared my uh, confusion and outrage with the CFL on that one. And they fixed it. 
uh, they kept the more expensive version of Richie Sindani, which is fair, I, I would say. Uh, but uh, you know what? So we're changing lives here on the podcast. All right, let's get into our week one. Week one. This is week six. Uh, this is week number six. Let's get into our week six preview, and it starts off with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, of whom you're wearing their hat currently. Uh, they are heading to Edmonton to face the Elks on, I think this one's the Thursday night game at 9 p.m. Eastern time. What are you watching in this game, Adam? Well, the first thing I'm going to watch is over on the Hamilton side of the football. They finally won a game last week, obviously. We're all proud of them. They finally got their win over the Ottawa Red Blacks, even though Ottawa was, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about them later on. I mean, Crum was coming back in that one and was one uh, throw away from essentially tying it. So I still think there's a lot of concern in Hamilton if I'm the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats. However, uh, if I'm the, also the Hamilton Tiger Cats, I seen a little bit of encouragement last week. The thing I seen was James Butler finally getting a few rushing yards. Uh, is this going to be a trend to continue? Do you think this week, Ryan? Or I, you mean you're facing the Hamilton or an Edmonton defense that the set, the line like the line isn't too bad. Uh, usually the defensive line does have a little bit of talent and seems to have a little bit of push into it, but uh, I think you still run the football if you can, if you're Hamilton, right? I mean, you should, obviously. Yes. I think, I think James Butler is an integral part of the team, especially against the team like the Elks who have been pretty bad against the run so far this year. You know, that game of Edmonton and Saskatchewan last week, Jamal Morrow ran really good against the Elks in the first quarter. And then the riders kind of just, went away from him and I was a little bit surprised there. Uh, but you know, I'll pull up my, uh, the stats system here uh, on James Butler carries on the year, 11 in week one, 16 in week two, only five in week three, and then 17 last week. So it was his highest total of the year. I mean, that's two of the last three games where we've seen Butler go over 15 carries. Uh, I, I think that's wonderful uh, from a Hamilton standpoint. I think he should be getting over 15 carries a night every single time. So favorable matchup there. I would like to think he gets a similar workload against the Elks, but it's, it's Tommy Condell's offense. You never know. Absolutely. And I mean, now that you've seen Richie's and Danny actually have a pretty good game, he might just start throwing it even more there because I mean, you technically now have three receivers that have done a little bit there to help Matthew Schultz out. Uh, however, also Matthew Schultz did run the football a little bit there last week, which I think helped the balance because he had almost 80, 85 yards roughly of, uh, of rush, which again, in a Tommy Condell offense, that's pretty much a, uh, about like seeing a unicorn over in Hamilton, uh, injury wise over on the tie cat side of things, some notable ones, uh, Lawrence Woods, he was considered a healthy scratch against last week. Uh, he's fully ready to go. I'm not sure what exactly is going on there, but, uh, no real injuries of significance other than again, the ones that are on the sixth game, like Bo Levi Mitchell and a few others, uh, so really over on that side of the thing, on Hamilton's side, I guess they're pretty well ready to go here and win over in Edmonton and continue the home losing streak of the Elks. The Elks, on the other hand, are they in full chaos mode at this point? I mean, they got to almost be after that CJ Sims mess up over in Saskatchewan the other day, right? Yeah, I'll touch on that in a minute, but going back to what you were saying about Hamilton with Lawrence, Lawrence Woods being injured, it's interesting because looking at the depth chart they just posted for this week's game, it looks like he is listed at defensive back at cornerback there, 
but he is not listed as their kick returner, the role that he has been uh, filling for the most part. And it's Tyreek McAllister who's filling that role. And he came in, he had a great play on offense, like put up something like a 70-yard touchdown, 60-yard touchdown for them last week and looked good in the return game there. So we'll talk about him a little more in the fantasy section, but interesting to me that uh, it seems like he's taking on that return role instead of Woods there uh, again this week. Back to what you were talking about with the Elks, though, I mean... You live by the rouge, you die by the rouge. Four rouges, including, including three straight to start the game last time. I thought it was a bold new strategy of the Elks to beat them one point at a time and uh, thought it was going to work until Brett Water kicked one field goal and undid all of that work of, across three separate drives for the Elks. But that end to a game uh, for Edmonton, you just can't make that up. I mean, you we've seen it, though, similarly, right? Uh, the, the team, the hat you're wearing, the 2021 Grey Cup, I think it was either Poppy White or Tim White, ball went over his head in the end zone. Bombers got the, the crucial single point there late in the game. Who messed up on that one, uh, on this one for Edmonton? Was it returner CJ Sims? Was it the coaching staff? To me, it was a blunder from the coaching staff. It's such a crucial moment of the game. You've got a new guy, first-year player, as far as I'm aware. Maybe he's played a couple of games so far. So on one hand, you should you would say he should know the, the rules, right, himself. But in such a pressure moment... If you're the coach, you got to drill it into the guy as he's going out there on the field of this is exactly what you need to do. Um, and obviously it was a big blunder and the Elks just find another way to lose a football game here. And uh, the question is, when does that end? Right? Like where they're what, 0-5 on the season now? Uh, certainly didn't see that coming. No, I mean, I did not see 0-5 coming and. You know, the pressure. I mean, you read uh, some of the comments over on the social media pages, whether it be for uh, on the Edmonton Elk side of things. I mean, it's getting brutaler and just uglier and uglier. I mean, they ain't doing mean tweets with Chris Jones anymore because it ain't funny anymore, I don't think. Uh, especially when people are getting some free tickets every time for those, uh, for those you know, season tickets that they get, I guess, if uh, they keep losing in Edmonton. But... Uh, you know, at a point here, you got to start going and starting to look at other things. I mean, the offense in particular in Edmonton has just been absolutely horrendous. I mean, you look at the uh, offensive coordinator there. He was the same guy in Saskatchewan. He did not have any real creative play calls. After a while, I know, I know Chris Jones has the tendency of just getting rid of players and moving on players very easily. Is it time to start moving up on the offensive coordinator and I mean, something's got to change in Edmonton, right? You can't go 0-6. You're muted. I hit the I hit the microphone, and I thought I bumped it, so then I hit it to turn it back on. Turns out I turned it off. This is going well, uh, but we're good now. Um, hey, somebody yeah. had to pull off the mic, uh, the mic mute. Yeah, there we go. Uh, the... Um, the Elks, I mean, this is the true the true pinnacle moment here, right? Like, yeah, Hamilton beat Ottawa last week, but they didn't look all that impressive. I mean, Dustin Crum almost came within two yards of, of beating them uh, in that game, fourth-string quarterback in his first real action. 
um, that I didn't think the Ticats looked great in that game. So to me, they're still, yeah, they're what a one and four football team now, one and three football team. But I, I think this is as easy of a matchup as the Elks could possibly have to get that home win. And if they fall to 0-6 now, then question marks, you know, for me of, okay, is it time for people to start losing their jobs? Are we turning anything around mid-season? Chris Jones is probably safe because he plays such a big role in the organization. He's safe till the off-season, but if it continues like this, I think he's gone off-season. He's got four single-year contracts. They aren't tied to him on this season. Uh, but you start looking at some of those other spots. I mean, the offensive line hasn't been any help at all for the Elks so far. Uh, and the play calling, I think, as well. But uh, I think they showed a little bit of promise at times. I thought Taylor Cornelius looked better last week, uh, certainly coming back off the bench in some capacity. So uh, favorable matchup against a defense that's given up a lot this year. Let's let's see what they can do. This is This is the moment for them to get back on track, right? Yeah, I'm looking at it. I mean, if uh, Steven Sorrell's, if they have another game where the offensive line just gets pushed right into itself, Kevin Brown really has to have a good game this week, I think. And uh, a big part of that is the offensive line making holes for him. Uh, so we'll see how, uh, what kind of a play call Steve Sorrell has. And of course, Steven McAdoo, that's who I was looking for for the offensive line, uh, offensive coordinator's name. I mean, you know, like I, I'll give Chris Jones credit. He's very loyal to his to his uh, to his core coaches, but you know I watched that game last week and Edmonton really had nothing going on. I mean Cornelius had a little bit more time to run the football around a little bit, and he seems to have success running the football against Saskatchewan. But that was all that was working for him. It was no real passes that were going anywhere. There was no real offense, and I mean you you just had that feeling like it's just a matter of time before Saskatchewan gets a touchdown. So. And so I like that's the biggest thing Edmonton needs to do is need to score points and score points often. They I don't care how they got to do it if they have to go and take an electric cattle prod and nail Dylan Mitchell every ten minutes to get him moving. I mean, yes, he's on my team. I know that, but he's got to get some points eventually because you know last week he had a couple more maybe catches, not a whole lot more though. Again, that's a guy you got to rely on to get your big catches when you don't have Eugene Lewis, and I mean. That's Edmonton's big problem, I think, right now. Uh, that Speaking of uh, Dylan Mitchell, is there some way, some shape, or form that you're going to put him on fantasy this week, Ryan? No, and the big reason is because, yeah, I would think about if, it, if his price kept on dropping, but uh, I don't understand the pricing in the CFL fantasy site. Dylan Mitchell dropped down to a price of $6,000 last week. Put up five points last week, and now they've put him back up to $8,100, I believe it is. So uh, I guess five points is worth an extra 2000 If you follow any of my you know, value tracking, it certainly does not warrant an $8,000 player, five points a game. Um, so no, Dylan Mitchell is not in my players to watch for fantasy this week. I've got three of them in this game. Uh, the Elks receiver I'm looking at is Maurice French for an, another week here. He comes in at $6,300 in the official fantasy site. Uh, last two games, he's been in two games so far this year, eight targets and six targets in them. Last week, anybody who took a chance on him in fantasy was disappointed because he only got one catch last week out of those six targets. But let's say he gets the same workload. You would hope that, you know, a couple of more of those land leads to an increase in catches, increase in yardage. 
It's got, again, I'll keep saying this favorable matchup against that Ticats defense. Uh, and I think it's easier to take a chance on him than it is on the likes of Dylan Mitchell, Stephen Dunbar, uh, Kyron Moore at those higher prices. So I like French at his price this week. A uh, bit of an underrated value play here. Uh, I was just talking about him a little bit. Running back Tyreek McAllister. Uh, he's the Greg McRae type for the Ticats. He, in fantasy, is listed as a running back, but he winds up at slot back. He'll be the backup behind Duke Williams. Well, technically, he'll start the first play because of the whole nationalized designated American thing. Um, I am a little bit worried that, you know, of the workload, right? Like we saw him get a couple of plays and turn a big one last week that was the value. So uh, it could be a bust, but he's $2,500. All you really need is something like five points to get value out of him. So if you have high-priced options you're considering at other positions, I think you could go super cheap with a guy like McAllister at running back and take a chance on it. And if it doesn't work out, you're kind of five points behind the eight ball uh, of trying to hit your full value type there. And then my last one for this game, and you know, it's every once in a while, you got to take a chance in CFL fantasy and you got to take a shot at a player that not many people are going to be looking at and see where it lands. And I'm back onto it. I'm back onto my preseason predictions this week. I'm throwing Taylor Cornelius in here as a fantasy player to watch this week, $13,000. And why? Because last week he finally showed me the, the, the pieces of his game that made me want to put him as the number one fantasy quarterback going into the year. He was running a lot better. He had 58 rushing yards. He does the short yardage quarterback uh, work uh, as well near the goal line. So he can pick up those touchdowns there. I mean, he picked up almost 12 points on the ground last week. Uh, passing numbers still not spectacular, but uh, also again, a uh, good matchup against Hamilton's defense. They've given up a lot of points to quarterbacks so far. Cornelius seems like the same kind of player that we saw from Dustin Crum last week, and he rushed for 90 yards. So it could be a bust. Wouldn't be surprised if it's a bust, but if you want to take a risky play this week, go with Taylor Cornelius as your quarterback. I'm, I, I don't know if he's going to be mine because I really like one of the other options on the board, but oh, it would be fun to give it another shot. Yeah, no, I'm thinking you're nuts, but nevertheless... <laughs> uh... <laughs> I'm going to go nuts too. So I've got one player that I just mentioned probably a few moments ago. I'm going to take Dylan Mitchell at 8.1 K. You look at what he's playing this week. The Edmonton second, or sorry, the Hamilton secondary. Ugh, it has not been pretty all season long. I don't like the Hamilton defense period. I think it's going to give Taylor Cornelius enough time to actually do something. And uh, I think Dylan Mitchell's going to get open a few times here. So I'm going to say that Dylan Mitchell finally has a breakout game. If there was going to be ever one, it's got to be this one in front of the crowd in front of Brickfield. I mean, this is the time for Duke Williams, or for uh, Duke Williams, man, uh, Dylan Mitchell. Uh, so that's my prediction. I'm going to say Dylan Mitchell will go on mine. I cannot honestly pick anybody else from this right now. I would love to be, if there was an individual defensive guy to pick, I'd pick Jake Serezna, but I can't do that. So, I have to take the rest of the uh, defense of Edmonton's. And speaking of, they've got some injuries to keep an eye on uh, that I forgot to mention also in our little uh, segment before. Uh, AC Leonard's questionable in this one. He is marked on the depth chart as playing, but just kind of keep that one in the back of the head. Uh, the other one also that's missing this week is Aaron Grimes. He's a very big part of their defensive secondary. 
So could open up some plays there for the Ed, uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats uh, as well. Uh, let's move on, I guess, to the betting side of things. We don't have Trey here this week, but Trey made sure that I had to get out what the uh, things were from last week. Uh, Trey, he was, uh, yeah, you might want to pull your earphones out for this one, Ryan. It'd probably be best. Uh, Trey was two for four over on the uh, head-to-heads. Uh, Mike was two for four. I was two for four. And Ryan, yeah, well, we won't talk about that. One for four. But hey, you did get the BC game, right? So small victories. Uh, over on the over and under, uh, Trey was two for four. The winner of this one was yours truly. I was three for four last week because I decided that uh, Ottawa and Hamilton was going to go under. I don't know why nobody else. I know. Yeah, no, nobody else took that. I don't know why, but okay. Uh, and then uh, Mike and Ryan, yeah, both you guys were one for four on the uh, over under last week. Uh, so if you would have went with me, you would have only lost $2.27 or 77 cents. <laughs> Trey would have lost if you went with Trey, you lost $12.40. Mike, uh, if you went with him, you lost $21.86. And Ryan, well, you lost two ant farms and probably a couple of hay bales. Uh, this is why we tell you don't bet the farm. I had such a promising start to the season against the spread, and I've gone one and six in the last two weeks, and I think maybe one and six as well on the over under. I am this close. I'm one more bad week away from chat GPT making my picks on this show every single week going forward. But it might be a bad decision, to be honest. I'm, I think next year what we should do is we should just have chat GDP play against all of us and see if it wins or yeah, not. Yeah, I like it. Uh, but, you know, Mama didn't raise no quitter. So I'm back in for another week uh, for, for the picks here. Uh, looking at the, the line on this one, it's Hamilton uh, three-point favorites over the Elks, uh, even on the road here. Uh, and the over-under line is at 42.5. Uh, Trey said he's going to go with Edmonton at plus three and take the under. Uh, Mike is going Hamilton minus three and taking the under. So a bit of a difference on which team uh, they'll take against the spread. Uh, Adam, what about you? Uh, what are your picks in this one? Well, no question I'm taking the under on this one because, you know, I don't think either of these teams can score anything. Uh, the other one, though, I'm going to actually do it. I think that the Edmonton Elks will finally win a game at Brickfield. Uh, they'll do it this week, so I'll take the Edmonton over on the three. Uh, I'll take the plus three on Edmonton on this one here because I really do believe that actually Edmonton is going to win this game, uh, not just the cover. They'll actually win it, so. Yeah, I'm I'm going with Edmonton here as well. I mean, they've been such a disaster for most of the season, right? But uh, I'm also not too impressed with what Hamilton's done either. Something has to give for Edmonton here eventually. I, I tried to abstain. I mean, I could abstain. Trey's not here to stop me from doing it, but I won't. Um, so, you know what? I'll, I'll ride with you guys on this one and take Edmonton plus three. That was my process thought process as well. I think yeah. Hamilton yeah. should have looked a lot better last week against Dustin Crum, uh, especially with, you know, Ottawa reeling a bit from just the gravity of Jeremiah Mazzoli going down. We'll get into that yet uh, shortly, but uh, I will take Edmonton. I thought they improved in some capacity last week. 
Uh, in terms of the over-under, I mean, 42 and a half, like that's a 23-20 football game puts you at the over already. So to me, like I always see that, I'm like, okay, well, like that's not that difficult to get to. Uh, you guys are all going the under. Let me go different on this one. I will take the over. I could see a, a case where, you know, the d- defenses that have struggled, the uh, the offenses get going here. So, uh, yeah, let's switch it up a bit. I'll take uh, I'll take the over on this one. Yeah, uh, no, and you got to remember on this one too, like for the uh, uh, the spread, Edmonton is almost playing for the playoff lives at this point. I mean, this if they don't win this game, crossover could almost be a lot hard to see already for them. So, I mean, yeah, I've seen teams lose eight in a row and then win ten straight. See the BC Lions a couple of years ago, but. I don't see this one happening, to be honest with you. I mean, they got Winnipeg twice yet. They've got some very tough teams ahead. Uh, yeah, Edmonton's got to win and win now. Absolutely. Let's move on to our second matchup of the week here. Uh, it's the Toronto Argonauts coming off their second bye of the season uh, into Montreal to face the Alouettes. This one's the Friday night game, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, what storylines are you looking at here? Well, I think the first one we got to talk about is the Montreal Alouettes. They've got to stop letting Cody Fajardo get nailed every like third play, fourth play. I mean, Fajardo's running for his life again this year. I mean, he's, I think, in position right now to take 100 sacks. That would be by far and away the record for sacks taken in a season. You've got the Toronto Argonauts who kind of like to sack the quarterback quite often. Uh, with a really good vaunted defense. This is going to be one of those scary matchups that I really don't like the look of for the Montreal Alouettes on paper anyways. Maybe Montreal changes something here. But uh, what is it? Is the offensive line? Is it Fajardo leaving the pocket too soon? What's causing all these sacks, do you think, in uh, Montreal, Ryan? I mean, you got to start looking at the common denominators, right? Because Montreal didn't look too bad on the offensive line the past couple of seasons. I thought they were kind of underrated there. But now all of a sudden we're seeing, and we thought Fajardo got away from that offensive line in Saskatchewan. Now we see him over in Montreal and seemingly having the same problems. And you start wondering what the common denominator is. It's Fajardo and it's Jason Moss's offensive scheme. And I have to wonder if those are part of the issue here. And I saw a video circulating on Twitter, and I, for, I apologize, I forget who it was from, but it was basically a play where nobody was pressuring Fajardo at all, and he did his favorite little spin move to try to spin out of the pocket and find somebody on the run and, and end up causing himself troubles there. And I think that could be a, can be a curse sometimes, having the running ability as a quarterback, because it's just your temptation to use it all the time. And I think we see several quarterbacks around the CFL uh, have that problem, but uh, it seems like Fajardo gets himself almost into more sacks than he gets away from sometimes. And I think the offensive game plan hasn't helped either. I mean, for the most part so far this season, all you've had to do is try to cover Austin Mack and try to cover Kayon Julian Grant, and you kind of know, you know, what the offense is going to do there. William Stanback, like I talked about at the top of the show, hasn't been getting very many carries there, so. You know, the Alouette's offense is predictable. Fajardo's a little bit predictable in that sense. The offensive line, maybe they've regressed a little bit, but uh, I think it's all one beautiful storm that's leading them to be on pace for something like 100 sacks against this season currently. 
Yeah, and you know, another piece that also that helps uh, usually avoid some sacks is having a very good run game. And this year here, uh, as you probably alluded to it earlier, I think when we were introducing your fantasy, William Stanback has not been utilized a whole lot. Like, I mean, he's on average getting about seven touches in the backfield, I think it is, or eight touches. I mean, that just is not enough with a guy like William Stanback at the backfield. That takes a lot of pressure off your offensive line for blocking because they're trying to just make holes and they're not trying to get somebody uh, held back or anything to try to keep the ball off for pressure. Uh, the other part that actually I found really interesting when I was looking at uh, whatever stats I could find, you know, those PDF ones, uh, another f- little interesting fact, Cody Fajardo is actually one of the guys that throws the most long balls out of anybody in the CFL so far this season. I believe he's uh, something like about 20 or 30 targets already or, so out like outside of 40 yards so when you're going and lining up for that you got to be expecting to take a lot of big hits uh so montreal's got to change up their offensive game plan even though Fajardo says this is the first one that's ever been catered just to him uh much to the chagrin of most saskatchewan rough rider fans uh i'm sure he was in saskatchewan last year as a starting quarterback but what do i remember anyways uh, Injury-wise, the Montreal Alouettes, I mean, besides those six-game ones like Greg Ellingson and uh, a few other pieces there, uh, they really don't have a lot on their uh, injury report for this week to talk about. Walter Fletcher is a healthy scratch. He fully practiced. Yonte Evans, same thing, fully practiced. So I don't see either one of those guys uh, being out this week. Uh, Walter Fletcher doesn't matter, it seems like, because they aren't even using William Sandback. So anyways, uh the other side of things is the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, I don't think enough has been said even still about Chad Kelly. I mean, the guy has come in. He's lit up the league so far. I mean, he's made McLeod Bethel-Thompson be pretty much f- – I mean, nobody's even mentioned his name, I don't think, in Toronto right now because they got Chad Kelly. They don't need a guy like McLeod Bethel-Thompson. At this time of year, if you would have told me that McLeod Bethel-Thompson was available – and Toronto wasn't chasing him, I would have been stunned. But with the play of Chad Kelly and A.J. Allette having a good season and their offensive uh, receivers having some pretty good plays, this team really, I mean, the offense of Toronto, this has been a pretty much complete team right from right from the start, right, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, the Argos side of things, there's no real holes in the lineup. Like, you look at it on paper, and it's a pretty even team across the board. I mean, Kelly, I, I don't think necessarily has lit it up in the passing game. He had those three rushing touchdowns in week one, which contributed to it. He's had a couple of nice runs there. But I don't. I, I could be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure he has not compl- uh, passed for more than 300 yards in a game yet. I'll take a quick look at the uh, the stats sheet here, uh, 238, 264, and 249. So he's averaging 250 yards a game. But that's what Zach Caleros does too, right? Like that's all Caleros is basically does normally. Uh, and I think he's done enough. I think their run game has been great. Then that's contributed to things a lot there as well. I mean, their their return game has been and solid. Javon Leak had a big return there. I don't have the kicking numbers in front of me, but I feel like Boris Beattie's been better this year. He had a pretty low percentage last season, and that defense is stellar. I mean, look what they did to the BC Lions when they picked VA off six times. So 
Uh, it's sad that we're through five weeks and we don't almost don't even really have a handle on the Argos necessarily because they've had a buy in two of those games, right? So like weird scheduling there where we've only seen these guys play three times together, but from what we've seen from them, it's hard to imagine them losing many games to teams out East based on what we've seen so far. I mean, I said it uh, earlier, I think after week one, I kind of joked that uh, the Argos are going to wrap up the East division by Labor Day. And honestly, I don't think it's going to be long after that. Uh, I think this is a, the team to beat. I think it's the best team in the CFL uh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And what I really want to see is uh, Toronto versus Winnipeg. That's that's going to be my kind of uh, key to see what's going to happen because, yeah, BC, I, that could be a blip on the radar. I don't know. But I don't think so. I think Toronto is really that strong of a team. And I want to see them go in there into either IGF. I don't know if they go to IGF this year or if Winnipeg comes to see them. But uh, they, they play once this year, and I think it's in week 17 or something like that. But I can't can't yeah. remember if it's here. I think they come to Winnipeg this year because Andrew Harris didn't last year, but they mm. don't play in Toronto this time okay. around. Yeah, so if they play in IGF, I really want to see what Toronto does against a team like Winnipeg because if you know in week 17, Winnipeg is going to be full on for playoffs. Toronto's going to come in there. They maybe are playing backups. It's hard to say at that point because you're right. The East is still looking pretty soft. Uh, but that being said, yeah, I don't I don't see a team in the East or the West that really takes Toronto uh, that can really keep with Toronto right at the moment, uh, especially with the way a, a play of A.J. Lett and a few other pieces. Uh, Injury-wise, over in the Argos side, uh, Cam Phillips is probably the one that you may want to take a watch for. Uh, chest injury of some sort uh did practice though tuesday wednesday so he might be okay uh and jordan williams he's the linebacker that came out of bc from that trade earlier this season uh canadian linebacker will be out this week with a knee injury as will eric sutton uh and also isaiah cage uh the one offensive lineman has a thigh injury will also be out this week for the toronto argonauts uh but that probably means that there's some guys that are going to get a little bit extra time in fantasy, uh, maybe have a little bit of padding in fantasy stats. Is it Coxie or is it going to be Kittens, Kittens Jr. Uh, with Phillips being hurt? Uh, Ryan, what do you got for fantasy this week? Well, before we get into the the fantasy, semi-related to that, I have a fun little guessing game here for you, Adam. We were talking about how Montreal is a very predictable offense, right? And they have their top two targets in Mac and Julian Grant. Who would you guess has the third most targets on the team? Ooh, that'd be a good one to ask. Julian Grant would be, yeah, it's Julian Grant and Mac are the two. Oh, I would almost say Herji Mayala. He's close. He's close. He's one behind. Just how absurd the like balance of that offense has been so far. I've been while you've been talking, I've been triple checking my numbers, and unless I'm missing one of these guys in the list or my stats are incorrect here, Austin Mack has 33 targets on the year. Kyle Julian Grant has 26. The next highest is Keshen Abram at seven on the year and i know they rotated some new receivers in last game but everybody else on in that core has under seven targets on the year like this is truly a two-dimensional offense for yeah, this I mean, they, 
because like I mean, Abrams has been in there, Sneed has been in there, Speaker, I thought had a not bad game the one time. Seven is the next highest after Mac and Grant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, crazy, right. I know. Uh, which leads us into fantasy. Uh, and the first player to watch for this game, Austin Mack, for reasons just mentioned. Uh, he is, in the last three games, averaging the highest fantasy total in the entire league at 19.3 fantasy points. He's still somehow under $10,000. I don't know why they're raising his price so slowly when everybody else is so high in price. It's, not, it's only a matter of time before he hits that 15K. Uh, he's also tied in the last three games for the second best in targets with nine. Uh, he had 10 targets last week. So, you know, Mac, until they raise his price up to the top, is a guy you almost have to start in your lineup every single week just based on that workload. Um, the uh, I'll stick with the Montreal wide receivers. You know, maybe we'll start to see a new face emerge as one of those guys who can take a bit of that target share, and that's Tyler Sneed at $4,800. I did want to put Grant on Julian Grant on here, but he's at over eleven thousand. I, I figure Max the play, right? If you're going for that top Montreal receiver here, uh, but Tyler Sneed comes in at forty eight hundred. Uh, he had five targets last week, four catches, sixty one yards—a very respectable performance. If he can repeat something like that uh, again for the Alouettes, you're hitting your money at that price there. So. Uh, I know Brandon uh, Sanders uh, talked it up preseason when he joined us on the show. I talked a little bit about Sneed's college career there. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I remembered reading that Jason Moss was high on him in trading camps. So uh, I kind of like that as a cheaper value play at receiver if you're looking for it. Speaking of cheap uh, value plays there, I mean, maybe this changes a little bit based on the injury report that you just mentioned, but Cam Phillips comes in at $5,400. He's been a solid value producer so far this season. He's still pretty cheap. Last week, he scored 13.6. The week before that was 8.1. So he's averaging over 10 points a game the past two games after a slow start in his first start of the year. Uh, I don't think Toronto's really established who their number one receiver is yet, right? So if you've got cheap guys like him, or if he's not ready to go, Deshaun Brissett is around the same price and has similar production. Either of those guys could potentially pan out for you. Uh, and then two others, th- two others to mention on the Argos side. I really like the play of AJ Olet at $12,400 this week at running back. He is averaging, uh, 15 carries a game, uh, despite having Andrew Harris behind him on the depth chart, uh, which is third best in the CFL. He's also averaging 16.8 fantasy points per game, uh, which is the highest, not including, uh, Sean Shivers, uh, from BC who only played one game. So, Amongst running backs who have played more than one, he's at the highest average fantasy total uh, so far this season. So Olet's been delivering, and that's not even including the receiving game yet where he hasn't gotten going like he has in last, he did last year. He's only got four targets on the whole year. Um, and he faces a Montreal defense that's really struggled against the run the past two weeks. The Bombers did it with three different guys against them in week number four. Last week, Shivers had the big week against them in week number five. Uh, so I really like Olette as a play at running back this week. Uh, and I do like the Argos defense as one of the top defensive options at 9,600. A minimum of seven points in their three games so far. Uh, it's a decent floor for what you get for a defense. They put up 15 against a great BC team. And like I said, we talked about already, 
hundred ish sacks than is what Montreal's on pace to give up this year. I want my fair share of Argos sacks this week for my defense. So uh, that is also a fantasy option to watch here for me. So lots to choose from here. Uh, Any of these you agree with or any others you want to throw out? I just seen that right after I was starting to do it. Uh, The ones that I'm looking at here for this game here, uh, I'm going to take a look at Tyler Sneed. I think, you know what, they got to get a third guy to start catching footballs. Otherwise, this team is just going to get destroyed. I mean, I, I'm stunned when you told me that stat that he's only had that uh, the third highest guy only has seven receptions. That's insane. Seven, so, not even receptions. Seven targets. Seven, seven targets. Sorry. Uh, yeah, that's that's just insane. Um, the other one also that I'm looking at is yeah, pretty, uh, uh, AJ Oled is definitely on my list. Uh, he's had such good success against tougher uh, running teams. And I think he's going to do very well uh, against the Alouettes. So, yeah, those are the two I'm looking at. I want to put in Austin Mack. I'm debating to put in Austin Mack because he gets all the catches. I mean, he gets all the targets. Everything goes towards Austin Mack. That being said, if Toronto's smart, they're going to just clue in on Austin Mack and double team him and he'll get nothing this week. So, I don't know. I'll think of that one, but... uh, I've got some other options I think that might work pretty well too. See, I keep thinking that as well. Like eventually teams are going to shut him down, but like nobody has so far. And I keep expecting them to split off that target share. And then he got 10 targets again last week. So it was like, okay, as much as I want to, the trick is to try to pinpoint that week where Mac finally has his bad game, but it's hard to be the one when he keeps putting up these totals to stray away from him when he's the highest producer in fantasy right now it was like dalton shown last season as yeah. i keep saying there um, and, the, and then i did have one more sorry i did have the uh, toronto argonauts defense right now okay. uh i think that's a pretty good choice because yeah shut down austin mack what else they got essentially in montreal uh they fichardo gives up and the offense gives up a lot of sacks they've given up some weird interceptions I think this could be a pretty good game for Toronto to uh, possibly do some damage against the Alouettes. All right, let's get into the betting odds for this game. Uh, We've got Toronto as five-point favorites on the road in Montreal. Toronto minus five, Montreal plus five. The over-under is a higher total in this one, 48 points. Um, Trey took Toronto and the over. Mike took Toronto and the under. So, again, they disagreed on the over, uh, or they disagreed on something. Uh, all balance is being returned to uh, life as we know it. Um, I'll go first on this one because you went first on the last one. I'm also going to take Toronto minus five. I mean, I'm really concerned about how many sacks that Montreal offense is giving up lately. Uh, and I think the Argos are the best team in the CFL. The over-under is interesting to me because both defenses are pretty good, but both offenses have the ability to, I think, put some points on the board. And I... No, I was so sure on the under last week for that Montreal BC game that I'm pretty sure, and you can roll the tape, I said on the podcast that if this doesn't hit the under, I'm never taking the under again. So through two weeks, through two games so far this week, I will stick to that statement and I will take over uh, and agree with Trey on that one. Uh, Adam, what about you? I'm going to go with the... uh... I'm going to go with the over on this game. I think both teams could light it up. And I mean, it's 24-24 essentially when it splits out. So I think that both teams can get over 24 points. Uh, 
but I'm going to take the Argonauts as well. I don't have much faith in, I don't know if it's Jason Moss. I don't have any faith in anymore. It wasn't much last year. So, I mean, it wouldn't take it that much of a stretch, but he doesn't use stand back a lot, which he needs to start using until he does that. Fajardo's still going to be running for his life. And that stat that you gave me again, that only seven, uh, seven targets to anybody else that isn't named Austin Mack or uh, Julian Grant. I mean, come on. You got to have a better offense than that. Uh, it's carrying me almost on the over part, but I'll take the over and I'll go Toronto. All right. So we're all agreeing there. I think Mike was the only one slightly different in taking the under, but we all like Toronto minus five in that game. Uh, then we get into uh, our first Saturday doubleheader of the season. Two games on Saturday this uh, this week. And the uh, this one is the afternoon game, 4 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Winnipeg comes into Ottawa to face the Red Blacks. Uh, plenty of storylines, I'm sure, to talk about in this one. I think we know where you're going to go here first, Adam. But uh, uh, should we touch on Ottawa here first? Yeah, what the heck. Let's get it over with because we all going to want to talk about this one here. And that's, I think, the injury to Jeremiah Mazzoli. I mean, first things first, my sympathies to whoever picked him in fantasy. Uh, and then also selected him and paid a pile of money for him in fantasy in a private head-to-head league. I should mention that as well. Uh, and then had to go buy the other Ottawa quarterback, which we'll talk about later. Just keep um, going. Just keep yeah, going. <laughs> I, know, I know. Hey, I got to get my shots in when I can. I'm in the basement. Nobody can hear me from way back there anyway. So um, anyways, uh, Ottawa, yeah, I, man, I feel bad for this team. I mean, if there was ever a team that should be named the Bad Luck Bryans, this is probably it. I mean, injury after injury. First, it was Shaq Evans. It was Jeremiah Mazzoli can't start the season because he's still kind of nursing uh, the injury last year given to him by Garrett Marino. He gets in there, runs for a quarter, goes for a half, and then the Achilles pops. Opposite leg, I mean, I'm thinking that, like, that was injured last year. I mean, okay. But, man, that guy there, I feel, you got to feel bad for him. I mean, it's it's a terrible way to go out for the season. Everybody was excited because, like, Ottawa fans were like, oh, my gosh, we're going to finally do something. And then he's hurt. I know the feeling. Remember 2014 when Darian Durant got taken out in the first series uh, versus the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Yeah, yeah, that was a fun night. Uh, after that, yeah, it just went all downhill from there. The uh, worst thing to me, the worst thing about this Mazzoli injury is just watching it be a non-contact injury too, right? And and I saw a lot of interesting discussion of did the Red Blacks, and what do you think on this, did they rush them back from the injury too early? I mean, there was so much confusion around the timeline, right, where suddenly it was, okay, he's not, he's going to be ready after the bye week, and then he wasn't, and then they said it would be week by week. Tyree Adams went down with the season-ending injury the week before. Did they rush Mazzoli back because of that too early? I don't think so, in my opinion. I don't think he was going to play until the doctors cleared him to play regardless. But still, non-contact injury, done for the season now. And in my opinion, honestly, probably done for his career. Just two big injuries, two seasons lost. You know, he's an older quarterback already. Uh, Tough to see a guy potentially go out like this, but... Yeah, no, it is. And I mean, to me, I don't think they rushed him back. I mean, you know what? Nowadays with players and player safety and everything else, you just can't do stuff like that. It's If the player is ready in 
and he he's been practicing he's been putting practice like he's been going a little bit look at saskatchewan what was it two years ago uh all of a sudden they're they're all playing whatever it is medicine ball and all of a sudden yeah the riders lost what three four players in one time larry dean and a bunch of others i mean it's a terrible injury an achilles injury again i remember durant getting that one and it was the same thing durant didn't get touched and everybody's like what the and Durant is in tears going off the field. It, it, it's a terrible injury. I wish Jeremiah Mazzoli all the best. I hope that he's going to recover and he'll be, he could still play again someday. Uh, I hope that's the thing is hope right now for him. Uh, that being said, you're going to be running crumb this week here in Ottawa. I mean, yes, Nick Arbuckle is essentially a permanent bench warmer. Yeah. Uh, can we, can we talk about that quickly for two seconds? Why are they keeping Nick Arbuckle? Just so another team can't pick him up, like there's there's no scenario if you. I mean, the only other team up... that would maybe, but the only other team that would maybe want him is the Edmonton Elks. And Chris Jones sure ain't bringing him back. No, no, exactly. And like Arbuckle, he started the year as the quarterback. Things weren't going well, so they go to Tyree Adams and put him down to the third string. Uh, Adams goes down. Mazzoli comes back. Great. Mazzoli goes down. Uh, Crumb comes in and Arbuckle's the backup. You think maybe Arbuckle is going to get, you know, number two this coming week? They signed two quarterbacks. And I know they needed two to fill the roster anyways, but they did sign a guy who was in camp with them at the start of the year. I forget his name. I apologize. Uh, but they also signed Terrell Pogrom, uh, who was with the Bombers in training camp. Uh, so that's an interesting signing there. And they might not be done yet, right? Yeah, exactly. A certain quarterback for the USXFL uh, Ramblers uh, was I think the Guardians, the New Orleans Guardians, right? Was the New Orleans Guardians? It might have been. I, maybe I got that wrong. Uh, nevertheless, we're talking about uh, uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson uh, was released this week from his, I believe it's the USFL or am I saying XFL? Uh, anyways. Uh, uh, New Orleans uh, Breakers, sorry, is the New Orleans Breakers of the USFL, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, the, yeah, he was released from his Breakers contract. So he's a free agent right now. Uh, it, I think the odds are that if you're the Ottawa Red Blacks, you're rolling out the Brinks truck. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, I want to believe in Crum. He looked good. Crum had a lot of heart the last game. That was not an easy situation. It was a heavy situation to come into. You know, everybody was very, obviously, it, it probably affected the team a little bit. It has to have at least, you know, the the up of Mazzoli coming back and then the, the huge down of him going down again. Uh, and for Crum to come in again, not much playing time, did throw a couple of interceptions there, but he also made a couple of great plays to still keep them in the game. And that rush at the end of the game, that 20 something yard, uh, can't find an option in the end zone on the last play. So I'm going to take it and run into fall two yards short. Like that was a gutsy play. If I've seen one from a guy that started the year as a fourth string quarterback, he deserves the start this week, I, and I'm happy to see him getting the start against Winnipeg. Uh, and I'm excited to see what he can do as well. But, yeah, you'd be doing your due diligence if you didn't call McLeod Bethel Thompson. I don't think – I I don't know. Now it's muddy because uh, the Breakers released him from that USFL contract, so it seems like, you know, MBT could be on the move of some kind, whether it's here, the NFL, elsewhere in the USFL – 
But he did say pre-season, he did say when he left for the USFL that he wanted to do so to be closer to his family in the States. And that, uh, so to me, it's hard to imagine him coming back up here to the CFL. He also originally said the only team he'd come back to was the Toronto Argonauts. So uh, if he does go to Ottawa, they must be paying him a pretty penny to do so. And I don't blame him for trying to get that contract. Uh, But Ottawa, yeah, they should be trying to, you know, pile up the money to to see if they can bring him in because that could be a game changer for them. Yeah, exactly. I think that uh, it's, uh, I'll say it's 50-50. I say that... uh, if McCall Bethel Thompson does go anywhere, it's probably the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, and it's going to be for a pile of money because I don't think he's going to go more than one year and he's going to want to make it worth his while to come up to Ottawa because right now Ottawa does not look like a Grey Cup contending team by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, that being said, I mean, you look at the injury report for the Ottawa Red Blacks. I don't have enough time to read all these, but uh, we'll just go through some of them here. And the more important ones, Dante Bowles still injured. Uh, he is fully practicing, but uh, leg injury over that offensive lineman, that's a little scary. Justin Hardy was limited in practice for the back injury. Uh, we've got Justin Howell on the defensive back. He uh, did not practice so far this week with a hamstring. Cleon Lang, same thing, defensive lineman. He's been sick for one day here. Uh Sherrod Baltimore, that's been a big one for them lately. Knee uh, injury, he is fully practicing. Could be a little bit of a question, though. Uh, Devontae Williams, same thing. He was a healthy scratch. What if they might have been thinking about bringing him back in and putting him behind Tuggle? Uh, who else do I look on this list here that I could see? Uh, and again, don't forget, I didn't even mention the six-game injured players. Uh, and there is a lot of them. Shaq Evans, uh for example, he's one of them. Uh, I haven't not seen Jalen Acklin. He's going to be one of them as well. So lots and lots of players on the. Did I say that right? No, Jalen Acklin is. Uh, he's he's still in the lineup. Uh, but uh, you're thinking Braylon Addison, I think. Oh, uh, right, sorry, Braylon Addison. I I keep getting my old Hamilton guys mixed up, even though I'm wearing that. <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, yeah, there's still a lot of injuries there for the Ottawa uh, Red Blacks. Uh, that being said. I want to bring up the injury list here for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers as well, which seems to be pretty excessive. And I think this might be a little bit of uh, Michael Shea uh, playing with the uh, piece here because he's got Drew Brown, Patrick Newfeld, Carlton Agadalsi, uh, and Brian Cole is not injury related. He really loved that word, not injury related. Uh, one also that he can maybe mention pretty soon, and this is another one that's been going around, is Kenny Lawler. Uh, there were supposedly some reports out there, and I think it was Jeff Hamilton from Winnipeg, uh, kind of bringing up that this might get settled out by the weekend uh, for uh, Kenny Lawler. Where do you put him in this roster, uh, Ryan? If he actually does come back, where does Kenny Lawler fit? I mean, they've got so many pieces. Well, I'm glad you asked because I was actually just looking at the target share for the Bombers receivers as you were uh, as you were talking before you mentioned Kenny Waller, and it's interesting because they have so many you know seemingly top tier receivers, but I feel like the offense has dried up a little bit for the Bombers in the past couple of weeks after you know putting up 40 points a game to start the season and Zach Caleros you know throwing close to or over 300 yards in those. Uh, he hasn't thrown huge totals in the past couple of weeks, 
But the Bombers split uh, of targets is pretty even outside of Dalton Schoen. Dalton Schoen has most targets in the league at 42 on the season. He's averaging 8.4 per game. Uh, and then everybody else on the Bombers is around that 20 mark. Uh, Nick Dembski's at 22 on the year. Rashid Bailey's at 21. Drew Olatarski's at 25. He's actually the second most targeted receiver on the team, uh, which may come as a bit of a surprise to people. Uh, although Dembski did miss a game there. Uh, so, you know, they've spread the ball pretty well around between those guys. They've also had Agadosi play some good uh, ball at times when he wasn't injured. Greg McRae has been the recent addition at wide receiver there as well. It's interesting of, yeah, where does Kenny Lawler slot in and who slots out of the lineup at that point? And I honestly don't know uh, who is going to come out uh, when that happens. I would think Agadosi and McRae are the first two. Uh, to come out maybe, but uh, I think it's anybody's game there. But, uh, you know, in hindsight, the longer this takes, given the talent they already have at wide receiver, you start to wonder, was it worth the Bombers bringing them in this year? And maybe they didn't know this situation obviously was going to happen when they did so. Uh, but I questioned whether it was worth it bringing Lawler in in the offseason. The poor games he misses, obviously, we question it now. Yeah, absolutely. I think that right now it's kind of looking like a, well, what did we have to wait here for? And you know what? Kenny Lawler, he's still a great receiver, but man, if, uh, if what if I can figure out where to put him and get him moving, I think he'll be a pretty good contributor on the team. But yeah, you're sacrificing a guy like Carlton Agadelsi, who's started to really turn it in this year and start to uh, become a real part of the Winnipeg offense. So I think I think Angadosi will play this week, though. I think he'll get back in the lineup this week because Janarian Grant went down due to injury last game. And if Grant is out, that probably means Angadosi. I think he was practicing and healthier this week uh, gets back into the lineup there. So also, I still say why. And this is me after seeing McGray uh, last week. He had an amazing game, had a huge return, had a big uh, uh, reception. Just was a great guy out there this uh, last week. How do you go and tell him, no, you're going to sit on the sidelines because we've got so many guys? I mean, eventually guys get sick of that, and that's why people move on from places. But mm -hmm. you know what? I still say Greg McRae I think would be a better option still. And, and Winnipeg fans, you can hate me all you want. I do not think that Greg McRae is a better option right now than Brady Oliveira and running back. I don't care what people tell me. He would make a better running back than uh, than Brady Oliver. But I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. And I think I think if he had an opportunity in there, he would be a, an amazing back. But I think Winnipeg's kind of almost cemented into that Canadian running back. So it sucks. I mean, what does a team do with a guy like Greg McRae if, if you could do anything with him? I mean... I guess returner this week. Yeah, I think he'll probably be the guy returning kicks and maybe spelling on offense there a little bit. I'll disagree with you on Oliveira. I think Oliveira is still a great back. I mean, he leads the league in rushing. He's got 400 yards in, in five games, averaging 80 yards a game uh, there. Last week, though, did not have a good game, in my opinion, until the fourth quarter when somehow when the stamps were expecting it most he ran all over them but the rest of the night he got nothing going and that's a common theme where he seems to just turn it up a notch when the game matters most later on 
I would love to see teams kind of take that NFL approach almost of more situational running back usage where you use multiple a game. And maybe McCray's a guy you spell in a little earlier in the game and Olivera's a guy you rotate in more down the stretch uh, and think about what he could do with fresh legs even at that time too. But uh, for now, he's the starter for the team and I think he should still be at this point. Um, do we want to get into fantasy options here? You got any other stories? Yeah, the only other thing I got here is uh, surprise, surprise. Jackson Jeffcoat is again limited in practice. Uh, I mean... You gotta expect at this point. I mean, hip injury. I guess they're uh, if it's a pointer, it's a thing that just goes off and on, and it sucks for him. But I mean, if he doesn't go, uh, I believe it's Dana was his name. Uh, the uh, other defensive lineman that was taking over, uh, Celestin Haba. Haba, that's it. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Haba looked really good when he was mm-hmm. filling in for Jeff Coat. So I mean, in all honesty, it's not much of a loss there for Winnipeg. Right. Uh, but maybe does that change your idea in fantasy for uh, picking the Winnipeg Blue Bomber defense, right? Well, I don't have the Bombers defense in here. And, you know, as I'm looking through the options, normally I try to give multiple potential fantasy picks at each position uh, every week, you know, just to, just to give you options to consider. Honestly, I think the Argos defense is the only one I had in here so far this week. I'd almost put Winnipeg in that category. I mean, Crumb. I could see them giving him a really hard day there also, but also games where I expect them to do pretty well. They dropped uh, point totals of like two or three points only a couple of times this year. So they've been hit and miss. I I think there are other better options. So I'm not going to include the Bombers defense and the players to watch this time around uh, because I think there are much better options out there. But two guys, there's only two guys from this game I like. I don't like any of the players that are listed at wide receiver for either team. Ottawa, it's unpredictable how Crumb's passing is going to be in this game. And on Winnipeg side of things, again, some of the passing totals have kind of uh, dried up a little bit, and there's too many mouths to feed, and every receiver is uh, like $15,000. Like, even Drew Wallatarski's $15,000 in fantasy now. Uh, so none of them are worth the money. Uh, but Greg McRae, in my opinion, still could be. Uh, he's 6,300. He's listed as a running back. He'll line up at slot back, presumably. Uh, and they've started using him in so many different ways that I think he's kind of that that Greg of all trades uh, the usage there. Um, the only concern for me is that he could, if he is handling return duties with Grant out, does that take him a little bit more out of the offense with all the other options there? So... I could see it being a bust. Uh, it's a play I would maybe take a chance on at running back if you don't like the other options there. And the other thing is with him, he does not get points, and I want to make sure on that, he doesn't get points on special teams, does he? Correct, yeah. If for some reason, they decided to remove return yards. Unclear if they removed return touchdowns. I thought I saw in there at one point that return touchdowns still counted. Uh, but that's probably any given week, flip a coin and then spin around five times and, uh, you might get them and you might not. Um, yeah, so, but it's going to be mostly based on his rushing total and his receiving total is really what his point total is going to be. Uh, so that could be hit or miss, but the price is cheap enough at running back. It could be worth a play there to save some money if you need. Uh, and the other player to watch, I am all aboard the Dustin Crumb train this week. $5,000 starting quarterback in CFL fantasy. 
He showed fantastic fantasy potential last week. He put up 17 points in a bit over half a game. That was the third best quarterback on the week, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so, you know, 90 yards rushing is really the dream that you can get from a quarterback. I don't think he'll get quite that much again, but you should still get a decent amount there. Even if he gets 40, 50 yards rushing, that's halfway to the kind of the value you want out of him, which is at least 10 points there. So I think it's worth a shot. The Bombers also struggle with those rushing quarterbacks at times. Uh, I really like the play of Dustin Crum at quarterback to save some money this week. Uh, last week, picking an Ottawa quarterback didn't work out very well for me, but uh, I'm ready to ride again. Uh, let Crum cook, right? Yeah, absolutely. And let's face it, I mean, misery loves company because I've got Justin Crum on my lineup as well. Uh, if I'm going down, I'm going down with you this time. So, nevertheless, uh, the other guy that I've got on my list, I'll actually have three for this game, which is kind of strange, but I uh, know two, sorry. Uh, the other one that I've got, I've complained about him. I told them he's no good. He's not a great running back. He's useless. Why do they keep him? They should put in Greg McCray. I'm going Brady Oliveira and going to put him in there. And that's because I don't think Ottawa's run game, uh, run block game is going to get tired out after being on the field forever. And eventually Oliveira is just going to get me those running yards those sweet, sweet burnout uh, at the end of the game, garbage yards that everyone always loves. And who knows, maybe you're getting a touchdown or two too. So yeah. Uh, and also Trey's not here, so I can pick Oliveira without him absolutely roasting me. So nevertheless, I can get away with that to this week. So yeah, that's that's my picks in fantasy anyways. So, Adam, um, you're chaotic and I love it. Uh, Introduce the chaos. Yeah. Uh, betting odds for this game, Winnipeg is nine and a half point favorites. And I already know this line is going to be the death of me. Uh, and the over-under is set at 44.5. I went for, or I guess we'll talk about Trey and Mike's picks. They semi-disagree again. Trey's going Winnipeg minus nine and a half. Mike is going Ottawa plus nine and a half. Both are taking the over on this game. What are you taking? I'm looking at this one here and I just... I don't know. I, honestly, I don't because Ottawa, I think if they, if Crum does anything this week, Ottawa's going to have a, enough to get 10 points. So our keep within 10 of Winnipeg. I mean, it's a two, it's not quite a two possession game. And I think it should be more than a two possession game in the end. Like Winnipeg should honestly walk in this one, but it's in Ottawa and Ottawa fans are loud. They scream lots. I don't know. Ah, you know what? I'll still take Winnipeg in this one here. I don't like doing it, but nine and a half. If it was 10, I'd take. i probably take Ottawa, but nine and a half, I'll take Winnipeg. And uh, I think that Winnipeg's going to score quite a few points in this one. So I'm going to go in the over. Uh, I think Winnipeg will get over 30. So that means Ottawa really doesn't have to get, what, 14. So I think I'm going to go in the over on this one here. So give me Winnipeg in the over. Yes, because the uh, the home crowd at Ottawa has made such a difference over the past couple of years. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, trying to, I'm just trying to be nice, man. I'm trying to be nice. They don't have yeah. much, much to cheer for right now in Ottawa. That's well cheer for themselves. That's right. Hey, they're going for the two game. They're going to the two game home win streak here. Uh, we'll see if they can pull that off. Uh, but... They burnt their entire budget on fireworks last week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, clarification as well. Mike is taking Ottawa to cover the spread, but he is taking Winnipeg to to actually win the game there. So we're all we all believe Winnipeg's going to win, and we're all taking over. 
on this game, but Mike is taking uh, Ottawa to cover. Final game of the week here is the Calgary Stampeders at the Saskatchewan Rough Riders for the second time this season. They went to overtime uh, last time out after they started uh, the game off with nine points in the first half and end up with point totals in the 20s and 30s. So second half explosion led to overtime. This is the second game on Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, what do we got for storylines here, Adam? Well, first things first, I think we got to talk a little bit about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and their injury situation here. Or, well, pretty much almost everybody's hurt of some sort. And this ain't the playoffs, so that's not a really good thing. Uh, I'm just going to run through the names really fast because I can. Jeremy Clark, Jake Winicky, Matt Dean. I'll, I'll actually go with the did not practice ones. I won't even go with the maybe kind of sort of. I'm just going to go with the ones that are definitely not, without pretty, pretty confident that they're going to be out. Jake Wenicke, Matt Dean, Anthony Lanier, uh, Brandon Council, C.J. Rivas, Shard Bell DeBeer, uh, Lake Corte Moore. Uh, we've got Kosi Onyeka. Uh, we have got Roland Milligan Jr., which is a big one. Amari Henderson, another big one. Peter Godber, another big one. Uh, Brett Lowther hasn't practiced this week. That's another big one. Frankie Hickson's been limited in practice this week. Uh, Rodney Clemens, he's been limited as well. He's got an ankle injury. And also, uh, it says here, Jeremy Clark, he's a healthy scratch. Well, there ain't going to be no such thing as a healthy scratch in Saskatchewan because everybody's got to play. What in the world is with the injuries here in Saskatchewan? Is it lack of practice? Is it like strength and conditioning? Man, there is something in the water. Is there something in the water that makes the bones weak in Regina? I, I mean, I'm trying to throw out any conspiracy theory I can here because. If I'm concerned, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of Ryderville that's pretty much blowing the alarm bells and pitching out or getting the pitchforks out. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to question the injury situation there after those four Achilles injuries. Uh, was it before last season? I feel like if I do that, I might end up with one. So I, I don't want to jinx it. Um, yeah, lots of guys down due to injury, but lots of guys stepping up to fill a role. I mean, they're three and one football team. They had two close games against the Elks that maybe should have been, maybe were closer than they should have been. But guys have stepped up in different roles on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball to get it done uh, for the Riders so far. So, you know, the, you got to respect the depth there, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at what Saskatchewan's done uh, on the uh, receiving side alone. I mean, mm -hmm. you've lost Wenicke. You've lost, uh, uh, what do you call it? You knew you weren't going to have uh, Schaefer Baker at the beginning of the year. You knew you weren't going to have probably Braden Lemius for a while. Plus, also, you got injured uh, Darrell Walker, who I expected to probably, they were expecting big things out of. But you take a look at last week. Uh, you had a guy walk in, Mitch Picton, looked like a regular old receiver out there. Didn't have, didn't uh, miss a beat. It thought it was Jake Winnicke on a prime day. Uh, you have uh, Tevin Jones, who kind of came out of nowhere and became a great receiver so far for the Rough Riders. At least he got lots of targets. Let's put it that way. Uh, Sam Emelis, he's had a turnaround season so far this year, as well as uh, Sean Bain Jr who came in uh, filling in for another injured guy, which is Juwan Breskison. I always keep forgetting that he's on this team that he's also hurt. I mean, you're you're already forgetting about guys because there's so many injuries, but yet the guys that re replace them seem to be pretty well uh, keeping on everything going. And I think a little bit of credit to that is due probably to a 
maybe having a little bit more of a veteran quarterback in there with Trevor Harris, uh, it seems like he kind of calms the waters a little bit more in Saskatchewan. What do you think, uh, Ryan? I think Trevor Harris has looked great so far this year. He's looked a lot better than I expected from him. Uh, 1,159 passing yards in the year, third highest behind Vernon, Vernon Adams Jr., Zach Caleros there. Uh, you look at touchdowns on the year. I mean, he's he's up there as well with six on the year. Uh, you know, maybe that could be a little higher, but again, it's third in the league behind those other two. And four interceptions. Uh, so six touchdowns, four interceptions. I like to see that ratio better for him. Harris's career has always been kind of, he can light it up with big yardage, but struggles to put the ball in the end zone. So I'd like to see him clean that aspect of it up a little bit, but no, he's been producing as one of the top quarterbacks in the CFL so far. And like you said, that veteran leadership, I didn't think he was going to perform that well in Saskatchewan, especially with the offensive line issues they had and now all those injuries there. Uh, but he's been finding those connections with those younger receivers and spreading the ball around pretty well to get it done. Absolutely. The other part on this is over going, looking at the Calgary side of the football, uh, talking about a different quarterback there, Jake Mayer. I think there's huge expectations coming out of the off season for him. And I mean, overall, I mean, he had two, he had a reasonable enough game, I think against BC, uh, didn't do much against uh, Then after that just really hasn't done much. I mean, when you listen to the, uh, Last week, uh, when you listened to the uh, game on TSN, I think Glenn Suter said it that he was working himself over a lot and making himself do too much on the field. Is that the case, or what does what does uh, Dave Dickinson, I mean, an old quarterback himself, need to do to get this young guy kind of more focused and on the right path? Does he? I mean, he's got a great running back in Dedrick Mills, but is it just the fact that he's missing so many wide receivers also that are hurt? Yeah, I don't know if it's that. I don't know if it's just the dynamics of the game for Jake Mayer are different coming into this year knowing he's the full starter, right? Last year it was the pressure was on him, but wasn't necessarily on him to come in, uh, take over for Bowie by Mitchell, who was already struggling. And now they banked everything on Jake Mayer being able to continue to develop uh, coming into this year. And, and is there a chance that that pressure is getting to him? I think it could be a little bit. I think some of the changes as well, uh, like you said, at wide receiver, there's some differences there, maybe some differences on the offensive line. I thought I remember hearing in one of the games early in the season on the broadcast, I'm talking about Dave Dickinson used to be kind of the one calling the plays or heavily involved in calling the plays on offense. Uh, but now that he's moved into the GM and coach role, he's kind of handed that off and they're doing play calling by committee uh, for Calgary on offense, which Go back to, I remember Ottawa tried to do that where they had no definitive offense coordinator. It just did not work out as uh, at all. And I don't think this is quite to that level, but I wonder if that impacts things a bit. And and seems like, uh, I don't know, Mayer's just throwing up balls that he shouldn't be right now. He completed 74% of his passes last year, if I remember correctly. Second best in the CFL behind uh, Nathan Rourke. And uh, so far this year, he's put up 58%, 56, uh, 67, 51, and 56 in all of his games. So only one game, over 60% of his passes completed, if my numbers are correct here. Uh, I mean, Mayer's throwing the ball a lot. He's just not hitting his targets. Yeah, it just seems like he can't quite get that uh, pass off or 
uh, or it's just overthrown, underthrown. And it'd be very interesting to know how many of those are overthrows, underthrows, or if it's just drops. Because I think Calgary, both of these teams actually for that, have had a lot of uh, cases of the dropsies. Uh, Saskatchewan, I know for sure. I mean, Tevin Jones, he's gotten a lot of uh, targets and not so great on the amount of catches. And I mean, I'm singling out a guy, but I think it's also the same thing on the Calgary side of the football. I think there's a lot of drops on there as well, which unfortunately makes the quarterback look a little bit tougher. So uh, anything on the defense on these two teams that we need to worry about? I mean, obviously injuries on Saskatchewan side of the football, but uh I mean, I don't like Saskatchewan. I think really, I'm kind of surprised on the uh, on the defensive side of things that there isn't as much pressure and sacks as maybe years past, kind of. Uh, and I know that there was a few guys talking about it in Saskatchewan this week. Uh, the lack of sacks in uh, in this defensive line. Uh, is there something to that, or do they just need to get some groove going, or what do you? Yeah, think? I'm a little bit surprised as well because uh, I think some of the guys you've already mentioned uh, previously. You know, I was excited about that defensive line coming into this year. I thought they had some good pieces there, and uh, especially at linebacker as well, which can lead to some sacks there also. So I'm a bit surprised on that standpoint. And the Riders' defense, for the most part, I don't think has played too bad. You know, they've gotten the job done. They, they've made those big plays they needed to is the biggest key for them, right? Those key interceptions. Nick Marshall's good for one of those games. Uh, he also is good for, you know, being beaten for a long pass once or twice a game. Uh, but uh, he, he makes up for it later on. And that's really kind of been the backbone of that defense is those big plays when they needed them most. It's almost... I don't know if I want to call it that bombers bend, but don't break defense style at times, but it, it seems like, you know, teams get close to the end zone and then they make the play they need to. Exactly. I think that um, I, I like right now, Saskatchewan's rated last in uh, sacks at six. Uh, that being said, I don't know if it's as big of an issue yet in Saskatchewan. I think that uh, once this defense kind of gets a little bit more settled, uh, Pete Robertson has been double teamed a little bit. Micah Johnson. I wonder if that's maybe a little bit of the issue, but I mean, he's not quite the same as he used to be probably. Uh, But you look also, I mean, Christmas right now is on the six game injured list. So Christmas is not coming back early for Saskatchewan uh, anytime soon. Full pun intended. Uh, That being said, uh, I don't think you're going to be taking your favorite Saskatchewan Rough Rider defense this week in fantasy. Are you, Ryan? I mean, as much as I love them, and uh, Jake Mayer has had some struggles lately, no, I don't have the Riders defense in my sights because I really, really like that Argos defense pick I talked about earlier. Um, And most defensive plays aren't worth the money, so I'm not going to go and waste one of my fantasy suggestions on other ones if I know which one is the definitive one I think is the best play. Um, but I like a running back in this game and I like a handful of wide receivers in it. Uh, so let's start with running back and that's Diedrich Mills at $12,400. Uh, he's most carries per game at 15.7 in the CFL, the third most, uh, fantasy points per game for running backs at 14.4 with all their passing struggles. He has become the backbone of the offense. Uh, the offense runs through Diedrich Mills right now. And he looked so good against the Bombers early last week. And then it kind of dried up later in the game. And he didn't really do much in the second half there. But he has the explosiveness to rack up 100 yards on the ground uh, any given night. 
Uh, I'd like to see him a little more involved in the passing game. He hasn't gotten a ton of receptions yet, which I think does hurt his value a little bit. But I think Mills is still a viable fantasy option any given week, just based on the focal point he is of that offense. Um, whereas in other places, the running back might not be as much. A couple of wide receivers I, I like. Uh, let's stick with Calgary. Uh, like I said, Jake Mayer throws the ball a lot. He hasn't hit his targets a ton, but uh, guys have been getting the targets, and you would think it's only a matter of time before more of those land. Uh, Trey Odoms-Dukes for the Stampeders is $9,600 and averages the second most targets in the CFL at nine a game uh, and is seventh most in catches with 4.8. So you know, on average, he's just only landing just over half of his targets a game, which is a bit concerning there, but he's still usually good for at least 10 fantasy points. Uh, you would think if he converts a couple more of those, he is able to hit a high fantasy total. So I still, I'm going to keep throwing Odom's Dukes out there just for the number of targets he gets. I mean, he got 10 last week against the Bombers there. Uh, the other Calgary receiver is I'm going back to the well here with Mark and Michelle. Uh, last week, first week back with the stamps was $5,000. Lots of people took a chance on him. He had six targets and only one catch and was a very disappointing player on the week. So they dropped his price by 1400 bucks. Now he's $3,600. Look, the stamps, in my opinion, wouldn't have brought him back without trying to carve out a role for him in the offense. So I'm kind of expecting him to still get that decent target share, even if guys like Hakunavanu are back in the lineup. Uh, and again, banking on, you want to see guys getting the opportunities because you want, and then you want to see them convert on them. So as long as getting the opportunities, he has the chance to hit that total for that you need on any week. So I like those guys on the Saskatchewan side, no receiver has averaged more targets a game so far this year than Tevin Jones of the Riders. He's at 9.3. Uh, only one player has caught more passes per game than him. He's got six catches per game off of that, and he's third highest in average receiving yards per game. Uh, Tevin Jones, in all ways, shape, and form, has been one of the best receivers in the CFL so far this season. Comes in at $12,100. Trevor Harris has looked not too bad in the passing totals this year. If this trend continues, Tevin Jones should be in line to have himself a pretty decent week once again here, so I like that play. Now let's talk about the one that I think a lot of people are going to try to go towards because people like to pile onto the single performance they saw the week before where Mitchell Pickton was the leading guy at receiver for the Riders. 17.9 points last week. And here's why I almost didn't include him this time. First of all, $5,300, decent price for Mitchell Pickton. He had a great week last week, but it was four targets and four catches. Uh, His total was really just inflated by the touchdown. So we've seen some games this year where he didn't really get many passes in this play. So I'm not confident this is sustainable for him, but he's cheap enough that if you want to kind of ride the train from last week and hope that that continues going forward, I think it could be worth a fantasy pick for you this week. Those are my five players to watch in this game. Uh, Adam, I'm sure you have a couple in here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I do. I wanted to take Tevin Jones, but uh, I actually got somebody that I think is a little more interesting from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It'll be Sean Bain Jr. Uh, Has had a good game against Calgary earlier this year. Uh, The secondary, he's more of the deep threat, I think, Sean Bain Jr. And Calgary secondary sometimes can let in that big pass. Uh, They don't have a Nick Marshall on their team, but... You know what? 
uh, there's still a chance that Jonathan Moxley burns one uh, or that he gets caught in one. So I'm going to go with Sean Bain Jr. on uh, for the Riders on the one. And I'm going to go with the second leading receiver, our running back right now in the league. Uh, I'm going to go with Jamal Morrow. It uh, hasn't been picked up a lot by me. I just mostly have always tried to find some other options because I was worried about the offensive line. I'm still a little worried about him this week uh, just because of the uh, couple injuries. But that being said, sometimes it's easier to push holes than it is to push uh, players back for the pass. So Jamal Morrow usually has a pretty good game against Calgary. His best one was against the Stamps earlier this year so far. Uh, so I'm going to go with Jamal Morrow as well. Uh, I thought about Mitchell Pickton, I will be honest, because I have recommended him in the past and I was going to go and put my money where my mouth is, but I'm not going to. So you know what? Jamal Morrow and Sean Bain Jr. Those are the two guys I'm picking. Yeah, and I, th- I think your justification there makes sense for me as well. You know, it's great to look at how they performed in the same matchups uh, previously as we go on throughout the season. I'm hoping these uh, these fantasy charts will have that hooked in there as well for for closer details on that. So good find on that one on Bain's totals there and on Morrow's totals in their mat- last matchup. And if you uh, want one other reason why I picked Morrow, uh, uh, the amount of rushes that go for first down on the Calgary Stampeders is second last in that stat. So they get a lot of first downs on Calgary on the ground. So that's a usual sign that usually running backs getting more than 10 yards. So I really do like Morrow in this pickup. Just I wanted to pick Dedrick Mills because usually, yeah, Calgary and Dedrick Mills means usually big yards, but I think Morrow's going to have a better game. I don't just, just a thought. Yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm still bitter from Morrow last week. I, I, he was my lock last week against Edmonton, and then they went away from him the rest of the game there. Uh, but let's look at the uh, the odds on this one. It's a tight line. It's Calgary, uh, Saskatchewan is uh, one and a half point favorites at home here. So since the home team is spotted three normally, does that mean that Calgary is technically actually the favorites in this game? Uh, okay. Yeah, I believe so, if I understand it correctly. Over-under line is at 44.5 points. Uh, Trey is picking the Riders at minus 1.5. He's taking the under. Uh, Mike is taking Saskatchewan minus 1.5. And, and once again, they're disagreeing on something. He's taking the over. Uh, what? Uh, I guess I'm up first because you went last time. I'm going to agree on Saskatchewan minus one and a half. I mean, I think the Riders are the better football team right now. Calgary's looking a little bit shaky uh, in in different aspects uh, as of late, especially with the quarterback situation. I like like Trevor Harris a bit more right now. Um, And the over-under, I said I was never going to take the under again, but I got to go back to the well from between this previous matchup. The under looked so promising after that first half when there were only nine points and then they went to overtime and ruined it. But I'm going back to that well and I will take uh, and agree with Trey here and go Saskatchewan with the under. Yeah, I'm looking at this one here and uh, this is one of those games that's a capital opportunity for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders to really actually claim two season series against two West opponents already. They got the one against Edmonton. They can get the one against Calgary this week. They have gotten one heck of a tough schedule to begin this season. Uh, they've played all West opponents uh, so far. They got another real tough one next week. Uh, 
I'm going to take Saskatchewan to win this one. Uh, so I'm going to go with Saskatchewan on the one and a half. And I'm going to go over on this one here because I think Saskatchewan's got to show that this wasn't a fluke or that, you know what, we could beat teams and we could beat teams convincingly. I think it's time because you look, they played Edmonton twice and it was dicey if they could beat them. They played Calgary, went to overtime, they beat them. But then they got kind of wiped off the map with Winnipeg. So I think it's time for a statement game if the Saskatchewan Rough Riders ever wanted to have one. I don't think they're going to win big, but I know they're going to win by more than one and a half. Uh, and I think that they're going to probably put up a lot of points. Uh, but I think Calgary might too. So we'll go with it over. And to me, honestly, when it's such a small line at minus one and a half, it's basically a pick em, And I, I like the Riders a little bit better there. Uh, you, me, and Trey all agreed on uh, our pick against the spread in every game this week. Uh, a little bit of back and forth on the over-under there. But, uh, hey, maybe Trey's right. Maybe we'll all go 4-0 this week. Maybe this is the weekend. Uh, let's talk about our uh, Fantasy League matchups and results here before we get into our wrap-up quickly because we do uh, want to highlight those for anybody participating in those. Uh, in our CFC fantasy draft league, it was a rough week for me. I spent 23 of my hundred dollar waiver wire to bring in Jeremiah Mazzoli. I liked his matchup with the tie cats, thought it was going to start him, uh, over, uh, Vernon Adams jr. And yeah, I got them negative points there from Mazzoli. So my worst week of the year, 41.9 points finds me in last place on the week. Uh, Adam, you were at 65.3, uh, right behind Trey, who was at 67.8 and Mike had the top score at 84.5, uh, for the week. So a uh, good week for Mike, given all the low totals, honestly, he had Austin Mack, he had Zach Kolaros, he had Brady Oliveira, Keon Hatcher. They all performed, um, Trey and Javon Katoy, uh, big game from him, uh, last week and a couple of tie cats. But, uh, what about you? How was your week? Yeah, it's very rare that I ever see uh, Ryan back here and me and him fighting in the slew for the uh, second and second to last and last place in the uh, in fantasy. I mean that 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 doesn't happen very often. But uh, you yeah, tidied uh, up a little bit before I came to visit. Jeez, I know. Sorry, man. Uh, you know Saskatchewan, we we do things differently out here. Anyway, uh, no the uh, the other one I was a little surprised about that like you me. Uh, couldn't beat even Trey who had like how many Argonauts does he have? And they were on a bye week and he still beats us. I mean, a little bit embarrassing on that one, but uh it's yeah. Mark Legio. The Mark Legio 13 points is panning out for him. <laughs> you know how he gave up uh yeah, he gave up Ready Paradise and I was like, ah, I win. Uh, apparently not. He won't need him the rest of the year. Uh even on bye weeks, apparently. Uh, overall totals on the year haven't squandered my lead yet. I'm at 408.6. Mike is about 15 points behind me, so he's catching up. Trey's about 23 points behind him. Adam, you got you got a ways to go here, man. You're still like uh 70, 80 points behind Trey. So uh make it up this week. Start of a new week here. Things moving forward. Uh transactions. I dropped Jeremiah Mazzoli and picked up Dustin Crum off the waiver wire. I've got Vernon Adams Jr. He's on a bye week this week, which means the Dustin Crumb train is riding in our fantasy league as well. Uh, I have changed a quarterback every single week. We'll see if that continues after this. Just wait till I bid the rest of my money on McLeod Bethel Thompson. Uh, 
uh, when he's available. Uh, in I thought the, you were going to ask if Nathan Rourke was available when he was in BC Play Stadium. Just I would have I would have performed better if I would have started Nathan Rourke at quarterback yeah. last week. Uh, if I would have st- started Mazzoli. In the CFL Podcast Fantasy League, uh, you, myself, and Trey, we're playing that league for charity. Uh, winner takes home uh, some money for chari- the charity of their choice. Bad week for us. All three of us lost this past week uh, in in that league. Uh, I lost to Steph from uh, Go Stamps Go only by four points. If Mazzoli wouldn't have given me minus two, I would have been so close. Uh, really could have just picked anybody at quarterback, but I blew it. Um, you, Adam, did lose to Zach from Bonfire Sports, and Trey lost to Steve from the Piffles Podcast uh, last week. This week, uh, Adam, you're facing uh, Joe from Rouge, White, and Blue. Uh, I am facing Steve from the Piffles Podcast, so I seem to be following Trey here every single week. One of these weeks, I'll be able to avenge his losses. Uh, and Trey is facing uh, adults from the uh, Rouge Radio podcast. So make sure you check out all of those great shows as well and all the other ones from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network at CF Pod Network on Twitter. Things are not looking great in the standings. I'm at fifth. Uh, Trey's in tenth. And Adam, you're in twelfth. we got to get things back on track here in this league. And finally, in our Discord League, shout out to our Discord members playing head-to-head with us, uh, 12 of us in that league. Uh, Adam, you beat our buddy Brandon uh, from CFF University. Uh, narrow victory of uh, just one point this week. Nicely done. Yeah, no, not bad. Uh, just to kind of by the luck of my teeth, I mean... This week here, I had a terrible week, to be honest with you. But, I mean, in all honesty, though, I got to admit, with the CFC stuff, I had a higher score than Ryan. I had a higher score than Trey. And I had a higher score than Mike, I believe. So, I did have the highest score for the CFC team. Yeah, I know. Mike wiped the floor with you. Mike wanted me to yeah, and he wiped the floor with me as well. Mike beat me in our matchup by 30 points this week. I was really hoping for 33 points of stat corrections coming out on Tuesday to turn it in my favor. <laughs> that didn't happen. You need a sport uh, ain't that bad, man. <laughs> dang it. Uh, so, yes, Mike beat me in that one. And Trey lost to uh, Discord user Sandwiches, who uh, Trey and I both got to meet at the, uh, the Bomber game on uh friday night so that was a fun little uh meetup shout out to him um there and shout out to the victory and being the only one undefeated in the league still uh mike's in fourth place trey's in sixth i'm in seventh adam you're in eighth in that 12 team league uh we've got matchups trey's facing brandon mike's facing sandwiches adam you're facing Cheppy. Uh, I hope I pronounced that right. And I've got Josh M who put up the top score of the week last week. So uh should be another good match up there. Uh, so much fun with CFL Fantasy. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun, even despite all the stats issues this year. And you can now see other people's lineups. They updated the site so you can see what other people have picked. Uh, so I can go and double check if Adam has clipped save or not. Uh, going forward. But does it actually show my like roster right now, or do no? It, just it will end? only show them after you've made picks. Yeah, after that's the picks that. have locked in and the games have started, as far as I'm aware. Otherwise, I was just going to go and copy Joe's this week and just you know go for there. Oh, smart! I like it. Gamesmanship. Uh, all right. Well, let's get into the Hey, you can't lose if it's a tie. 
Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think that's very valid. All right, let's get into wrapping things up here. Uh, we'll be back same time next place, uh, Wednesday night uh, on uh, at uh, 10.30 Eastern time. We'll preview week seven in the CFL, the talk fantasy, betting options, storylines, and that one as well. Uh, if you want extra content also, come join the Discord community. Uh, didn't end up having a drive home call-in show this week due to some work commitments, but it should be back next week. So you can join us live for that every Tuesday uh, on the drive home from work. And uh, that will get posted to the audio feeds afterwards as well. Lots of other fun uh, discussion going on there also. If you want to follow us on social media, uh, you can find us over on Twitter at CF Countdown Pod, on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash CF Countdown Pod there. Also, see what we've got going on there. Not on threads. I don't know, Adam, have you made the jump over to threads yet? Uh, I, I just can't be bothered to, to be honest. Uh, I think once Twitter's dead, I'm just dead off of the old uh, fancy thing. Although I would like to see Elon and Zuckerberg have their, uh, you know, steel cage match like they want to talk about. Yeah. They need to fight for my love. <laughs> I don't know if either of them deserve it. Uh... I didn't say they have to live afterwards. <laughs> okay. Well, let's well, not, well, not, not, not... fight, man. Let's not go that far. Uh, ah, so, so people can't find you on threads, but uh, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me at Adam Stewart one over on Twitter. Uh, you usually end up looking at some hay pictures or some raking pictures or something else on there. Or you could just come over to the Discord channel. They made me a cool little thread uh, or a little uh, thread there for me to go and uh, post all my farming stuff. So, you know, you probably get the quicker pictures over on the Discord channel if you really are into farming. Uh, but yeah, make sure you follow me there. and Make sure you also follow Trey. Uh, he does some cool little stuff with horse racing. He's been posting his bets a little bit more. And so you could be like Trey and uh, possibly win yourself an ant farm on horses if you really want to. Ooh. So uh, make sure you find him at Trey Harnesslick. And of course, make sure you follow Mike as well at Mike Garrell. Uh, lots of uh, great content there with the Game Time TV crew uh, uh, as well and getting prepped for uh, what I'm sure is going to be another busy season of and other coverage uh, coming up in the fall. Uh, I know he's always got uh, a lot on his plate there. And uh, hopefully we'll have both Mike and Trey back with us again next week here. Uh, I miss them. But, uh, you know, Adam, I, I, every time somebody isn't here, I think the show is going to be shorter. And every time I'm wrong, we did an hour and 40 minutes of just the two of us. Uh, but I had a lot of fun. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh discussing that here tonight so uh if you want to follow me on twitter i'm at cooper trooper 42 mostly just tweeting about inconsistencies with the cfl stats systems or uh you know what maybe i gotta uh, i saw nathan rourke was at the lions game maybe i gotta fire up the nathan rourke for hall of fame train uh once again uh there as well i really only have two angles on social media follow me if you're interested in those don't follow me if you're not um that's pretty much it uh and uh whatever podcast platform you're listening on we appreciate it if you do all the fun things such as like comment subscribe rate review share the show with your friends help us grow the show we always appreciate that uh on behalf of adam i'm ryan saying thank you for listening take care have a good one bye